0: Good morning and welcome to today's off-season, a chilly morning right morning right across western Queensland, but a very good morning to all our listeners and travellers through 4SB Kingaroy, 4VL Charleville 4ZR Roma, 4HI in Emerald. Good morning to Ray Smith uh, travelling back to Townsville on 4LM Mount Isa, 4GC Charters Towers, 4LG Longreach and the Hot Country Network. Andrew, what's with you here in the studio this morning? Scott Parkinson uh, top of the day to you mate? Top of the day
1: to you my friend and how are we all?
0: And Nick, it's because Nick is so dapper at the moment, slim line, and he's ready for his holiday. Nick Backstrom. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Watty. Good morning, Parko.
0: And uh, lots of sport happening around the place. I uh, know the Reds back in the
2: winner's circle, which yes. uh, both of
0: you are very excited
2: about. Yeah, very good win for the Reds. Very entertaining game of rugby, which is uh, even more important, I think, at this stage. And uh, the Waratahs lost last, lost last night. I don't care about the details. No, they yep. were beaten by the uh, Brumbies in a uh, good match again.
0: We'll talk about uh, NRL later on in the show with Jamie Saud. But any of you catch the uh, Test cricket, uh, England v. West Indies?
2: Well, they did have the slowest hundred, I think, of all time by an English batsman. Mm. But there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you need a batsman who knows how to stick around, which Australia does not. Well, does not have an hour. You know, Dave Warner, we make a fuss about. Got no idea how to stick around when things get tough. You need both sides. Certainly, that guy's got that guy. Well, the big story
1: is the rebirth of the West Indies. Mm. They're back for sure, declaring them back.
0: Are they are they back beating England? (laughs) The days of
1: beating them once, Joel Garner. Brian Lara.
2: Not sure we're back there. No, <laughs>
1: we're getting there, Nick. Look, I say but, we, um, I'm not a West Indian, but we are. They're going to be in the top three by the end of the year.
0: I remember sitting down with uh, Brendan Nash at the Longridge. Great RSL. West Indian cricketer. Yeah, he was, but uh, he did go and play for the West Indies. In uh, he also twelfth right. man for Australia mm. at the Gabba one day. Dropped a catch. Dual international. But um, he said it's just it's just a basket case West Indian cricket, and you've got blokes with such big egos and you know like your Chris Gales and yeah and Pollards which the cricket board don't tell them what to do. It's it's vice versa. And, and while you've got that culture, and I think Chris Gale's still 65 and going around, <laughs> when he finally hangs up the boots and you're able to restart the culture, um, that's where they can start, you know, regrowing again.
1: Well, a lot sure. of individuals, and it's individuals over team success, which we'll talk about later <laughs> in our Road of Origin. Great segue, Watson. Tears were on fire this morning.
0: Yeah, well, it's a lot better than what if we'd done this yesterday. Uh, anything <laughs> else grabbing your attention? I know uh, a lot of local sport, uh, especially here in the West, is still at a crossroads. Um, you know, I know Victoria's, it's really in the back of people's minds when they're thinking about travel and, and a lot of things, but especially local community sport um, because there are quite, uh, there's quite a few guidelines around it and um, your crowds back at sport. I know, mm. Scott, you're involved with school sport and uh, how are you approaching it this Friday? Well, I
1: mean, what you want to do, what's and Nick, is you want to dive into the pool, don't you? Sport's back, you want to dive in, but mm. unfortunately you can't, so you just got to kind of dip your toe in and just see, <laughs> (laughs) if everything's okay, if the water's tepid. Um, It is coming back, but yeah, the restrictions are are right there. Um, You know, and it's hard. I mean, in Queensland, the situation's a little bit different we don't want what's happening in Victoria. So, mm. I mean, we've got to be really careful, um, but it's great to see some sports. I know from a school level, certain sports have started and certain sports um, have been cancelled. Um, mainly your higher contact sports like rugby league hasn't come back on from a school level. Athletics was cancelled You um, for your like state trials and things and, like that.
0: And Nick, I know you do a lot of work behind the scenes with Queensland Health and... What's the general feel with the health side of things? Are they really keeping one eye on Victoria?
1: Tell us, Dr. Backstrom.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, look, all I can tell you is what they tell you is that, uh, you know, we need to be keep aware. We need to uh, keep doing what we're doing, which is social distancing, and washing our hands. All those things that we've been doing up to now, we've just got to keep doing it.
1: It's funny. I've been teaching dance at school and tell you what, boys and girls love to social distance. They don't like holding hands. Big so show well done kids.
0: Big show coming up. We go around the ridges to check in on all the race results from yesterday's meetings at Atherton, Mount Isa and TAB coverage at Roma. Jamie Sound will be in to give us his updated thoughts on round 10 and a fascinating chat by XNRL uh, legend Mark Tukey to
1: finish us off. Yeah, absolutely brilliant interview from yourself and me, Watsy, but Mark Tukey. <laughs> Is an even more brilliant man and just a great guy on the field, but I love when they're great guys off it.
0: Sit back, gather round. This is the off-season. Back with this morning's off-season and a very good but chilly morning wherever you're tuning into us across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Country Racing uh, had was at three venues yesterday, Atherton in the far north, Mount Isa in the northwest, and a TAV coverage of the Roma meeting. And to have a look at all the big results from yesterday, Max Tanks joins me this morning. Uh, how are you, mate?
3: Yeah, good morning Yeah, It's certainly chilly Um, out here in Central West today.
0: Let's go straight up to the north, uh, the north, far north, in fact, and Atherton with their five-event card. Big... uh Days for Charlie de Villa, who trained a double with John the Rodent, interestingly named, and Sol Darty as well. And uh, Manu Potguider steered both of those, and uh, Manu got a second as well. And the Battle of the Bush finalists from last year, uh, the Country Cups final, sorry, Buxton for Lisa Donovan and Gra- Graham Cleese. He was a good win also, Max.
3: Touching in that open, that was a really competitive race, and I know a lot of people were talking it up, um, obviously, during the week, and it lived up to it. It's only, you know... Four lengths, uh, under four lengths, covering first through to six, um, which just goes to show how competitive it was. And, and Buxton was too strong, Graham Khaleesi riding in, in terrific form. And similarly, Mario Potguider, like you said, he's got a double. And I suppose it's always handy being on some of those Davila horses because Charlie always turns them out in, in terrific fashion.
0: Let's head to the northwest region where uh, Tanya Parry trained a treble. She also trained a trifecta and run one race as well. Uh, Boy Foster from Ilfacombe uh, headed north and got the cash with his three charges. Too much slip. Um, Zukaz and Surrender broke through from a maiden. And great to see Timmy Brummel with a treble as well. And Dan Ballard a double. Uh, doubles and trebles all over the place.
3: Boy Foster certainly um, had a lot of patience this year on the uh, and I know he's probably been a victim of a lot of this uh, fortnightly racing. I know the boy likes to keep his horses very fit. And this is definitely evident with the week-to-week backup here, um, going from Barcaldon up to Mount Isa and, and coming away with a well-deserved treble off the back of a, a frustrating little run that he was going through there. And similarly, Tenya Parry, we know that she really stuffed the fire this time of year when her horses get fit. Charlie Catt looks to be like a great pickup. Um, three wins on the trot there in the open handicap. Uh, missed out. He stepped up the open handicap for the first time and are just beaten by Zucas, but a talking point, Magic Town, that boom horse that we were all following, um, had a little bit of a failure reading through the stewards report, it sounds like it might have choked down and they're going to have a play around with the um, with the gear before the next start um, but yeah, beaten convincingly, beaten nine lengths there
0: So, uh, Northwest Racing heads to the curry next Sunday, Maxim will be trackside there. Now, Roma on the TAB. And uh, Roma lucky enough, Maxi, yesterday to get a couple of races on the Red Channel. Seven races there. And one of the big talking points out of the uh, the day, and it's, it's gained a lot of uh, social media exposure, was the ride of... Brooke Richardson on Foxy Bella. Now, there was a rideless horse, Jennifer Magic, that dumped Hannah Richardson at the start, got in all sorts of trouble tangling itself up in the field, took Foxy Bella to the outside rail on the home turn, and Brooke was able to uh, straighten, regain her nerve and uh, come down the outside and win by the barest of margins.
3: Imagine how far this thing would have won by if it didn't get inconvenienced when it did. Yeah, um, She was really able to just knuckle it back down, didn't panic. And you know she she almost was put through that outside running rail. It was it was getting very hairy there for a little bit, but uh, she was able to just be calm and and was able to really put it away. And doubles that was, that was the order of the day in Roma. Um, Johnny Rudd he came away with a riding double. Uh, similarly, Brooke Richardson uh, Bella's brother and also Foxy Bella. Also, local trainer Wayne Baker. Wayne Baker was able to come away come away with a double. And the Johnson Stable, Billy Johnson, he also had a double.
0: Now, Maxie, uh, one uh, performance that stood out to me was earlier in the day, a horse called Persaga. Uh, Craig Smith got the cutest money there, and everyone's favourite Kiwi, Shane McGovern, was in the saddle. Now, one thing you rarely see, I know it's a late two-year-old, but you don't see many two-year-olds stepping out in the bush uh, for their for their first start.
3: No, and you especially don't see them winning first start on sand, but... Craig Smith does have, a, does have a habit of this, um, especially when you see that jockey engagement of Shane McGovern. Um, they've got a really good strike rate together, and obviously this filly by real saga, I think she um, just showed that she can handle that sand and um, she might be one to follow sort of progressing through the ranks. Got to remember she's only two as well, or took that kid's money. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how she goes as she matures.
0: Now, I know Racing Queensland aren't having uh, premierships as such, but uh, I had a bit of a look at them yesterday as uh, Billy Johnson trained two and Tanya Parry trained three, and it's um, really up for grabs. The country trainers' uh, premiership, I think, Billy leads by two over Tanya Parry. All sewn up is the jockey's premiership, as always, Dan Ballard. He consistently rides at 33%, and the apprentice jockey, Tess Townsend, looks to have that sewn up.
3: Yeah, and I suppose you nailed it on the head there. There was probably a little bit where a lot of trainers and horses probably couldn't have as many runs as they'd like, but I still, probably, I still think it's worth acknowledging because, you know, there is two halves of the year, and, and I think we've probably seen the likes of Billy Johnson and Dan Ballard. They were on top of the ladder before we went into uh, the COVID sort of uh, zones, and they're still on top at the end. So, you know, it was a, it was a year of two halves in terms of the season that has been, um, so I think we should still definitely acknowledge those.
0: Country Racing heads to Bundaberg, back to Saturday meeting Charters, Towers, Longreach and Sunday to Cloncari. Max Tanks, thanks very much for your time this morning.
3: Yes, not a problem. This Talk, uh, next week. Is,
0: this is the off-season heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with this morning's off-season and a very good morning to wherever you're tuning into us across the Resonate Broadcast Network. NRL's into round 10 this week and let's update you with the scores with the Raiders uh, tipping out the Roosters on Thursday night 24-22. to Two games on Friday night. The Melbourne Storm thumping the Gold Coast Titans 42-6. to The West Tigers 48 over the Broncos 0 and three games on Super Saturday. The Dragons came from the Clouds 28-22 over the Bulldogs, the Knights 20 over the Rabbitohs 18 and in the final game last night Manly back into the winner's circle 22 points to 18. Andrew Watts with you here this morning and joined in the studio as always by Scott Parkinson. Good morning. And via the phone from the Sweet and Sour podcast NRL legend Jamie Soward. How are you mate?
4: I'm good thanks boys. How are you north of the border? It's uh it's brewing up to be a long weekend for Queensland supporters.
0: Oh, isn't it ever? And uh, look, big takes from the weekend uh, so far. The Raiders, uh, you did tip it on Wednesday as a possible boil over and that's the way it panned out.
4: Yeah, look, I think yeah, the, the tipping this weekend certainly favoured the, the better teams. And you know, think about the Roosters and Parramatta who both lost. They've been up for a while. Uh, I've played under Ricky Stewart. I've been in those sort of ambush moments where... He really wants to bunker down, it's, you know, his team versus the world. So that's what we saw on Thursday night was a real committed team that you going they were going to come out and start fast. I uh, thought the Roosters might have just had too much attack to blow them away. But, um, yeah, they've, they've got some really hard workers there. The, the emotion and, and that sort of togetherness is going to last for a little while. It's just whether it's too far out from the finals for them to actually carry it on and do something. If this was two weeks before the finals and they were in fourth position, they band together and you could be up for a month, but I just don't know if you're still going to be up for for three months.
1: And, Jamie, I want to just quickly talk about the Broncos-Tigers match just for a minute because that's all it deserves. You've got <laughs> two coaches there, which I think is really interesting. Michael Maguire hasn't been, you know, has been afraid to make tough decisions all throughout the season. If you're not performing, go back and have a bit of a rest and you know, prove that you belong, whereas the Broncos haven't done that. Is that the problem with the Broncos? They're just not making the tough decisions in selection time?
4: Yeah, look... We've been talking about it for a while um, on Wednesdays and also, you know, Sundays. Is you know, they just look disconnected? The boards saying one thing, the coaching staff saying another thing, and then you have got the players who are just out there, you know, not playing well, and and they can't be excused from the blame. But there's certainly an element of you know three separate boats, and we're not really sure what's going on. I said last night on TGB: if Michael Maguire was the coach of the Broncos and Anthony Seabold was coach of the Tigers. Would the results still be the same? I don't think so. I think mm. Michael Maguire would have dropped Milford uh, a couple of weeks ago, if not, yeah, you know, longer, and brought in Dearden because all we're hearing is about the amount of talent they have on the sidelines. Well, the Raiders beat the defending back-to-back premiers with probably their best player and, you know, just as much money on the sideline. We're seeing Manly now play without two of their best players. Yeah, you know, beat Parramatta, mm-hmm. who the, the leading the competition. So. Yeah, the the excuses are built in for Broncos, and they are every year for the bad teams. The excuses are there for the bad teams if they want to take them, uh, and the Broncos right now, for the first time in the club's history, are taking those easy excuses, and that's why they're losing.
1: Jamie, have you been in a situation yourself in a team where you've had players underperforming and had them either step back or just been let go? Like, does do you respect the coach a lot more if he actually has that hard conversation with you to kind of put the fire back into your belly?
4: Yeah, well it happened to me a couple of times. I mean, you know, Wayne Bennett, straight out of origin, said he was going to drop me after we'd lost four in a row. And um, I sort of went home and got the fire in the belly and and came back and had a pretty frank conversation with him. And he played me and we ended up getting out of that hole. But, you know, Anthony Griffin, who I work with now, made a tough call in 2016 to, you know, drop me after a disappointing loss in Melbourne. And the the good coaches do that because Mm. they don't worry about well, they do worry about the individual, but they worry about the team direction. And, you know, the Broncos, no, I don't think the fans would be too upset if they were losing at the moment, but they were giving it an absolute red-hot crack. You know, they're, they're not in games. They didn't get off the plane. Mm-hmm. And after you see Davida Penguin Jr. last week beating the chest and, and coming around and, you know, was going to do this and do that, you know, he did it against the Bulldogs. Against quality opposition, Josh Alloa, give it to him on, Thursday, on Friday night. So... That's that's the disappointing thing, you know. When your your players that play like that against the Bulldogs need to turn up the next week, yeah. and I tipped them. I, I thought, you know what? Maybe this they turn a corner here. Maybe they get themselves some confidence. They went back. They went They're worse. They're,
0: you know what? They're probably the worst team in Queensland at the moment. Oh, without a doubt. No, it's just They just looked despondent after that first try. You knew it was all over. We often hear the terminology in sport, a game of two halves. And that's what we saw with the Rabbits versus the Knights. And the thing I can take most about out of this game, Jamie, is it's two sides I don't think are quite there yet. Um, the Knights led by a big margin and just turned off. And the Rabbits came late. But the Rabbits weren't there in the first half. Uh, your takes from that game?
4: Yeah, exactly right. Well, so you think about you know, Newcastle still trying to build themselves into... I still think they're a couple of pieces away. You know, When they get Frizzell back, um, they'll have that real hardened edge defensively as well. Uh, I still think they need a six. Like Kurt Mann could be the perfect 14 um, yep. in my eyes. Uh, you need someone that, if Pierce isn't having the Pierce game, can step up and kick to a corner, and you don't want Caelan to have to do that and change his role. So as for South Sydney... They continue to beat themselves every week. You know, there's, there's some weeks they get themselves into awful positions and they just have enough skill against the lesser teams to be able to get the job done. You know, Like the game against the Tigers, they, mm-hmm. they end up winning, but it wasn't pretty. And then you have a look at last night, they trailed 20 points to nil, they scored three tries in seven minutes. Yeah. And Wayne Bennett's probably sitting in the box, box thinking, if we just complete our first five sets to start each half we're at least on the right, we're halfway there because they can't get through any sets uh, consistently enough and they build, put themselves under pressure. So um, there's, there's a real divide between the top end and, and the, the rest of the competition. And I think it's evident to see, you know, the Roosters, Storm, Parra Penrith Penrith um, are streets above everyone else in the competition.
0: And we saw Manly last night... Um they got in the trenches and they worked hard for each other and they got the cash, albeit by the narrowest of margins. Uh, you called that one for 2GB last night. Uh, the yield's probably a good thing beaten, but it was Manly's, you know, it was their pride that got them over the line.
4: Yeah, and uh, another learning experience for Parramatta. You know, what it takes to win this competition, you're going to have off nights. And to their credit, they stuck at it and they had a few guys missing, but... Um, they just got blown away in that first 20 minutes. That's the best game I've seen Daly Cherry Evans play in a, in a long time. And As a purist, to sit down and watch him, if you go back and watch the set just before halftime where he puts Joel Thompson over with a kick, you know every team in the competition probably just sees that set out, they get a set restart, maybe go for a field goal. He played on the ball both sides and that's what I've been calling for him to do. If Manly are to make the eight and they've got a pretty soft draw, I think they play the Warriors twice, North Queensland Titans and the Bulldogs. So... That potentially, they got eat five wins if they just turn up. Yeah, that that Cherry Evans needs to play. He had an angry head on last night. He was challenged by his uh, coach and he's challenged by people in the media that are, are questioning who the best halfback in the world is. It is Daly Cherry Evans for me, uh, but we needed to see it last night. He was pure class.
1: Jamie, you're a cult figure in Longreach because of the Sweet and Sour podcast. As I look outside <laughs> the windows of our studios, I can see a couple of shirts just roaming up the road there, mate. What's on this week's edition?
4: Yeah, look, uh, Big Show and I caught up uh, for a business meeting at uh, Engadine Bowling Club, so dear Diary, um, I think this could be his best. I know I say it every week, but um, I think this could be his best. King's keeps rising. uh, Yeah, he's just, um, he's just, the Big Show is just unique, and I hope we all get the chance to to catch up and have a beer at the end of the year, I know that's in the works, but um, he'll be back there, We, we talk a lot of footy, I think there's, a lot of footy chat to, to dissect. We try and keep the fun side of it. But the NBA and MLB, the, the American sports coming back, so we're going to try and get a bit of that in. Plus, we have the Aussie Goat as well. So the Aussie Athlete Goat between 2000 and 2020. Some surprising boats. Uh, but we try and get that field down to 32.
0: Very good. Thanks, Jamie, for your time this morning. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch up again for your tips on Wednesday.
4: Thank <laughs> you, boys. Too. Thanks, mate. Thanks, boys.
0: Back with this morning's off-season and a very good morning uh, right across Western Queensland. Andrew, what's with you here in the chair this morning? And Scott Parkinson, we love an NRL legend.
1: We do. We are very lucky to get the NRL legends we've had on this show. Um, there's a number of them, and I don't think we've had a more imposing one. And someone who's was, I reckon, pretty inspirational on the field, but in some ways has been more inspirational off it, and he's on the phone today. It's Mark Tukey. Mark, how are you, mate? G'day,
5: boys. I love it.
0: Very well, mate. Uh, Thanks very much for your time uh, this morning. Now, first of all, um, for the listeners uh, that might not know you, and I'm sure there's probably not too many because we are in uh, Rugby League heartland out here in Western Queensland, give us a bit of your background uh, and how you paved your way into the NRL. Oh,
5: mate, I was uh, born in Sydney in tennis and uh, moved up to Brisbane when I was about four or five and Played at Logan Brothers, which is a bit of a hot uh, football that I've come from. Ken Smith, Corey Parker and uh, those boys. So, yeah, I just grew up in Logan. Pretty rough, low-key uh, economic area and got lucky, really. I got selected and scouted into the South Queensland Crushers, and made my debut with uh, uh, against Western Magpies. And then, um, yeah, went down to Parramatta, crossed to the Warriors and then overseas to England and uh,
1: Retired, got a bit old, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> hey, Mark, now, this is something that you know, I have never had. What's will claim that he has, but to be honest, his sporting career is not that great. Mate, when did you know that a sporting career and a professional one was in the pipeline? Was there a made at moment for yourself?
5: Uh, the, the South Queensland questions were being introduced into the um NRL um, in 95. I went through a really rigorous I was about um, I was about 16 I think it was playing in like the junior A comp up around Brisbane. Um and yeah, I, well, I was making um Queensland websites and things like that but um like at schoolboy level but I um but, yeah, uh, it was just a dream and then I got picked up in the um the South Queensland Crushers Academy. I had kind of 120 kids throughout the whole of Queensland, I think there was 60 up north and 60 down here in Brisbane, and we had to do, oh, I think it was about four weekends in a row of training and testing, and kind of make happened to make the cut, so I got down to kind of, went from 120 to 60, from 60 to, I think it was 30, and then they kind of kept a 25 squad or something like that. And, When I got into that, that was kind of the start, and I realised, wow, um, there's a possibility here. So, yeah, you just have to keep working hard.
0: And and moving through your NRL career, obviously you made a grand final at the Warriors. Uh, What was that experience like?
5: Oh, that was an absolute uh, ultimate uh, experience. Other than winning a grand final, I don't think there's definitely not much better than it. Uh, In 2002, we actually, I think we were running about second or third in regular season proper. And then uh, the Bulldogs actually lost all their points in '02, 2 yep. um, So they went from about eight points clear to uh, bottom of the table and we took out the J.J. Giltman shield because won <laughs> the premiers, the Warriors. So uh, we, we, we had a really good year. And then, um, yeah, obviously we ran into the Brewsters who uh, just, just got us in the end.
1: There was a pretty big shot there. One of your teammates, Richard Villasani. I remember a, a particular shot on Brad Fitler. Um, that worked out pretty well.
5: Yeah, well, it didn't work out very well actually, but uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the actual uh, thing that cut uh, Fitler everyone thinks it was uh, Villa Sandy coming over the top. It was actually Wairangi Korpu who went for the charge down initially. He uh, jumped and did like a charge down, and Fitler kind of stepped him and it clipped his eye. Um, um, Wairengi Korpu's elbow clipped his eye and actually split him, and then when Villa Stanley pl- dived onto him, and then the, he he got up, and then he had blood coming out of his eye. It was actually Wairongi that got him, but yeah, Villa's getting uh, um, blamed for it, and pretty much from then on, Brad Fitley kicked into gear and won the grand final for the
0: Roosters, unfortunately. Talking to NRL legend Mark Tukey. Now, Tukey, it's been well-documented this year how hard the New Zealand Warriors you know, what, what they've been dealt and how they've had to um, base themselves in Australia. Putting yourself in that situation, how hard would that be for the guys?
5: Oh, am. Um... <laughs> It would be extremely hard. Yeah, I've said this before. But the 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 problem with the Warriors, is family is absolutely comes first. Yeah, with um, all the Kiwi boys, you know, um, a lot of the Aussie boys that have gone over there, uh, family definitely is uh, high up there. But and so is footy. They kind of sit side by side. Where yeah. where uh, for those guys, family is uh, the ultimate. And um, oh, it would be it would be killing them to uh, then be over here away from their families. And I think the Roger tuivasa Sex said it on in an interview: when you have a defeat, you can go home to New Zealand, and, you can, and your missus will give you a cuddle, and your kids will come and jump on you, and you can really kind of put that loss behind you and move on. Um, they, they have to go from a loss back to the hotel. Everyone's and, and and then you can really like you really feel for that, and then they go and you know, sack the coach. And, you know, that was just, I think that was a crazy move personally. But, um.
1: Tooks, when we um, look at people's careers, obviously we see the athlete on the field, but there's always people behind the scenes that get the player to where they are. Mate, who do you um, give a bit of credit to your career to?
5: Oh, uh, my my uh, wife at the time uh, supported everything that I did. I have to give her some credit. I'm, I'm separated at the moment in divorce, But, uh, but yeah, no, she was uh, there yeah, through the whole career. And, um, yeah, definitely, like, she had to look after the kids and, and I kind of just did what I did to, to, you know, stay at the top of my game. I was obviously had the weight battle all the time, so I did a lot of extra training and a lot of extra stuff to try and um, combat that and stay and you know, stay in, in the NRL. So.
0: Speaking of which, I stumbled across a video the other night, which was was you talking to a sports uh, website and, and mentioned about your weight. Gain over the three years subsequent to your retiring, I think you put on ten kilos per year. Ten and, kilos a year, yeah. Yeah, and and often, like a lot of us, it's it's hard to find the motivation to train. And and you you said you need a goal, and and that the story that transpired from that was amazing.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I still I can remember the time I. I had retired i'd had enough the body was a bit sore, but I'd just been sick of it and I thought i'll go to the gym and i got on a I physically got on a treadmill, started kind of jogging and i and I realized and i uh, something someone i said something to myself, i don't even need to be doing this like there's no, no reason to get on a treadmill and run anymore so I turned it off and just walked out of the gym it was literally i'm like what am I doing this for and then uh, you know and then I put on the weight and um, I, I had diabetes and everything. So, you know, I put it on, it was bad. And apparently, uh, because I was uh, my muscle definition had uh, got less as well, just through not doing weights as much anymore, yep. and then also putting body fat on. You know, accentuates diabetes. So it's called post post-athletic um, diabetes or something like that. So but I had diabetes, cholesterol, the whole works, and I just you know had to snap out of it and. I just put an um, ad in the local newspaper, who um, wants to do a marathon for 42k? And uh, I, got, I got seven texts back. So I, I, I hired a dietitian and a coach and a trainer and all that. And I started a little personal training business really to get myself fit. And um, yeah, we, um, I had um, seven of us finish the Gold Coast Marathon. Uh,
0: Fantastic. Yeah.
1: Oh, mate, another thing I thought was absolutely fascinating in the uh, in the video was the work that you do. Now, I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce Glenn's last name, because <laughs> you're actually a, a, a caddy um, for Glenn, who who recently won the Blind Gold Victoria Open at Rosebud um, in Mornington. Mate, working that type of work, that must be so rewarding for you.
5: Mate, yeah, it's funny you say that. I, um, I've been working with Glenn. I, I, when I retired, I was doing a local, a, a local uh, sports program on the radio up in Logan, and Glenn, uh, being a Parramatta fan, he rang in and said, oh, I know who you are, and you're a legend, blah, blah, blah. And I went, oh, yeah. And he goes, oh, I play. I'm a blind golfer. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is a blind golfer? Like, I, you know, like, that is just out of this world. I can't even play golf started So I, 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 I literally said to him, mate, I need to see this. I so I, I met him and his wife down at the little course, and we went and played um, nine holes, I think it was, and I was just dumbfounded. And um, me being a golfer, I, I thought, oh, I can help this guy because his wife wasn't really a golfer. She was just helping him, you know, you know to go out and play golf. So I said, mate, let's, let's, you know, I can caddy for you and we can do this and do that. So for about five years, I organized golf days and um, we raised money for him because, again, two people have to fly to tournaments for mm-hmm. him and everything. Yeah. So we got sponsors and uh, all sorts of stuff for him and... Um, travelled around a little bit and he won the Queensland the first ever Queensland Open we got set up here and he travels to Western Australia Victoria, Melbourne, everywhere you know so yeah he won um, he just won the Victorian again back to back but he, he last year he won the Australian Open as well oh, yeah. so he, he, he's the number one blind guy from Australia so I've been catting for him for about 8 or 10 years now and um I've actually decided to, you know, do the studies on an individual support worker, and I'm um, I'm actually caddying for, you know, six, five or six different golfers now, and I'm looking to um, get um, people with a disability into sport. So that's what I'm have been doing right now. I'm I'm um, you know, getting them out moving, getting them active. I'm a personal trainer now. And, I run marathons and triathlons and stuff myself as well now. So um, I'm just really looking to uh, get. I've got a daughter with cerebral palsy, so um, you know that kinda really opened my eyes to um, people with disabilities, and I'm just looking to give back. I've done some triathlons with my daughter in a wheelchair, and that's I uh, just throw her in the water and she has a little paddle, and then. 100 metres and then I carry her to her bike and, and then pick her up and um, you know she she rides her, her bike as best she can and then she gets out there and has a walk and it, it's just rewarding and it's, uh, I, I really honestly just tell people, you know, there's no excuse, you know, just get out and do something, you know so.
0: Mark Tukie, uh what a fascinating chat, thanks very much for your time uh, this morning and I uh, really appreciate it
5: No, no problem, guys.
0: Any time. This is the off-season heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. (laughs) It's approaching uh, 11am on this Sunday, the 19th of July, 2020. And uh, that's about the off-season. Done and dusted for another week. Big thanks to all our contributors, including Scott Parkinson, Nick Baxter, Max Tanks. Also, Jamie Sound and Mark Tukey for their chats today. But before we
1: leave... It's time for Parker's Rate of Origin. Yeah, Rate of Origin is a bit of an abstract one this week. I've <laughs> had to think, guys. I've think I thought about careers and careers of sports people. And sometimes we remember someone for their individual glory mm-hmm. or just the way they performed as an individual. And sometimes we, we don't uh, so much remember the individual. We remember the team they were part of. And I mm. thought, looking at ourselves, when we retired from whatever sport that we were experts at, what's it you got a few to pick from? Nick, mm-hmm. swimming, rugby, <laughs> um, probably team sports is better. But would you rather retire as someone with individual glory that was remembered as a great individual or get less individual glory and be remembered as part of an outstanding team?
0: Well, I think in all our sports, we'd probably have, ex- have um, examples of both. I mean, Scott, you probably shot 50 points, uh, triple doubles all week in, in local uh, Logan basketball. Oh, That's of you to say. But, uh, <laughs> mate, always remember a quote a team of champions will never beat a champion team. And, and you saw that with the Queensland origin side, didn't you, of the, the glory days where they, they won. And, and I know there was a lot of in, individual brilliance there, but you try picking man of the match. I mean, it was a great team performance, wasn't it? And mm. then uh, one of the great individual sportsmen in our era, I think of someone like Gary Ablett Jr., who nearly won a Brownlow medal playing for the Gold Coast Suns, yeah. missing half the season. So I think there's an argument for both sides. But um, you do remember the three-peat the two three-peats of the um, Chicago Bulls but what do you remember the most out of it or what's the most spoken about it yeah Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan so um, I think there's an argument for both sides but I do love um, team glory and I, I love you, you love the um, the underdog as well you know the team like Leicester City a couple of years ago that came from the clouds and won the, the EPL
2: yeah, I mean, but with Michael Jordan, imagine if he was in a dud team. Would we remember him? That's
1: and right. If he just kept playing in losing teams. And that's exactly right, Nick. And you look at the situation of Dave Vafita, and I mean, he's getting choosing between two pretty dud teams in the Broncos <laughs> and Titans. But, you know, if he goes to the Titans and makes, you know, countless origins, plays countless tests for Australia, but they don't win a premiership, is that a good career? So that's kind of, mm. you know, where you're thinking. At. And you're exactly right, Nick. If, if Michael Jordan plays for the... The I don't know let's go with the Vancouver Grizzlies mm. um, and wins yeah countless individual awards do we still remember in the same vein we, we, we probably don't
2: I suspect not look you know, truth to tell I, I haven't played sport at a particularly high level but um, <laughs> I have done a lot of theatre and uh, you know you don't want to be in a dud show and it's very hard to be good in a dud show because you're surrounded by duds you know yeah. it, whatever's gone wrong it's very hard to perform well in that um, atmosphere <laughs> And yeah. I always say, a, there's no I in the word theatre, but there's one right in the middle, of theatrical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I, I think it's a, a conversation you could spend hours on, and, and there's a lot of different mm, examples, mm. isn't there? Mm. Um, and individual sports, a, a lot of the time, it's... Not just the individual, either it's the coach. So, I mean, there's a team That's as That's right. Well. There's, a, there's a support team around Yes, you. because you see tennis players a lot, For just one example, that might, might change a coach or an athlete that might change their jumping technique. or I don't know. There's a million mm. different examples where it's not just the individual, is it? So, I mean, to answer the question directly, I'll, I'll go with the team.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think at different stages of your life, I think growing up, I think everyone would be the star. You know, yeah. like when I was in high school, you want to be the star of the, <laughs> of the basketball team, whatever it was. But then as you grow up, I mean, I play sport for that camaraderie with, with mm. your teammates and, like, celebrating together. Um, so celebrating a successful day as a group. Um, so I think it is all about team success. And you, and you look at some of those players that, you know, sit on the bench in a grand final. Well, they're still part of the team. They still get yep. the ring. Yep. Um, and I'd love to talk to some of those people and say, do you still feel as part of it yep. even though you didn't play? Or you, or you think about, like, Steve Price, the great Bulldogs mm. player who was injured for the final, but, you know, got them all the way through and is still part of that team success. And
2: I guess the other side is, what if the team has a bad game and there's one bloke going there, oh, I was doing really good out there? You yeah, know, well, yeah. you're a tosser.
1: Well, we <laughs> often see that when teams go bad. And you
2: get the man of the match coming from a losing side. Yeah, but even
1: yeah. so, like some of those great individuals get slammed for their team's performance. Like, mm. you know, like that they put the pressure on one guy. But I can tell you, our fans, and there's heaps of them, over 100 yeah. votes, yeah. Also, over 360, yeah, 300. whichever number you want to go with, <laughs> all went for the team success. So great yeah, teamwork. Enough from this station.
0: Nick Backstrom, (laughs) Scott Parkinson, Andrew Watts signing out of the off-season. We'll do it all again from 10am next week. Have a fantastic week whatever you're doing.